Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. Well, 14 weeks of the high school football season have come and gone. We've had nine regular season weeks, five weeks of the state tournament. It seems like only yesterday that we were talking about the preview for the season, uh, but here we are, state finals weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, um, and we're going to get new cra- new champions crowned. We've got uh, at least three classes that will see a new champion. We've also got uh, three teams that could defend their title as well with Lutheran uh, and Dran as well as Center Grove. It's going to be an outstanding uh, weekend of football. I can't wait to get into it, man. It's going to be so. It's going to be such a good weekend. I know it's always such a great thing, a great tradition for the day, the two days following Thanksgiving. I mean, if you're in downtown Indianapolis on Friday evening, it is just one of the most electrical atmospheres you can possibly find between the high school football state championships, the lighting of the Christmas tree down on Soldiers and Sailors Monument, and always, always the Pacers have a a home game at the same time. So it's just an awesome atmosphere, crowning state champions. As a former state champion myself in in a different sport, I, I know what it means to be able to hold up that state trophy above your head and put, have that blue uh, medal and ribbon placed around your neck. It's a feeling unlike any other, so it's, it's going to be really exciting. Oh, yeah, it really is. Uh, so I can't wait to get into it. But before we do that, B. Scott, we've had a couple of weeks off. How have you been, man? Let's, let's get some updates. I know Purdue – so Purdue beats Illinois. Are they now in a, a – good shape to potentially win the big 10 West or do they still need some help on the final weekend? So Purdue is, as long as they beat Indiana, they will be co big 10 West champions. However, due to tiebreakers and everything, they need Nebraska to beat Iowa this weekend in order to go to Indianapolis. However, if you are a football fan at all, I would, if I'm Purdue, I am just going to beat Indiana and take that co championship and run with it and avoid having to go to Lucas Oil Stadium to be laid to slaughter or led to slaughter to either Ohio State or Michigan, honestly. So I'm okay if they don't. It'd be fun if they end up down at Lucas Oil, but at the same time, it's going to be just A-OK if you know they get through Indiana, get that co-division championship, and uh, move on to their bowl game. Retain the bucket. That's all. That's all Retain the bucket at this point. <laughs> well, uh, some other games that are going on at Lucas Oil this weekend uh, before we get to the Big Ten Championship are obviously the uh, six games ahead of us on Friday and Saturday. Uh, it'll all get started on Friday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll get the 2A state championship uh, and Dran versus Evansville modern day, a rematch of last season. Then following that game at approximately three Eastern, probably a little later than that. Uh, you'll get 4A New Prairie versus East Central uh, at 7 o'clock. The nightcap 6A championship, Carroll Fort Wayne versus Center Grove. You know, I really kind of wish that they would go they, back to the old scheduling. Well, no, well the, was that when they would do it in like an order? Or? Yeah, back when the last game on Saturday night was the 6A game. Because yeah. I remember going to that almost every year. We would go all day Saturday and watch all we watch 4a 5a and 6a and it was some it was some great football but i'm not a big fan of this kind of shaking it up because you you like if if you are just a casual fan you lose track you're like wait who's playing it's so random well that and like 
know. I mean, I all I am very excited. All these games when we get into our predictions, they're they're all coin flips for me. A lot of them are. Um, because if there was a team that I thought was a little bit of a disadvantage, they had an epic semi-state win. So now I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Can they finish it off? So like not to take anything away from like Valpo and Whiteland, but I think I'm more excited for center Grove Carroll. And I wish that was the game finishing off. And look, I'm advocating for all of you guys four, five and six, a to play on Saturday. Cause that I think would be uh, a lot more exciting. Well, um, actually it used to all just be on Saturday and then they added another class. Or, they couldn't have had all five. Oh no 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 they they yeah. had they had um four of the five maybe I think they had four of the five they played 1A on Friday night because I remember going and watching like Bishop Chatard and Ron Collie play just some epic battles yeah there um but yeah it it was it always the nightcap was always um yeah maybe they played two of the five on Friday and then the remaining three, because there was a big, there was a good gap in between where you could leave the RCA dome. Yeah, that's how go far back it goes. The <laughs> RCA dome and grab some dinner downtown, and then head back yeah, for six, the last game. Six A is relatively like a relatively recent development. It's not. Yeah, and the 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 six A class six A is relatively small, which is why they start sectional play a week later than everybody else. Right. Well, on Saturday, uh, it'll get kicked off with the one, a state championship, Adam central versus Lutheran, another rematch from last season. Then at three o'clock, we'll get Bishop Chatard against um, Lawrenceburg and the nightcap uh, will be five, a seven Eastern five, uh, a Valparaiso versus Whiteland. So what we're going to do uh, with our previews here, we're going to start with Friday. We're going to go in order cron pod here. Um, and we're going to give our player to watch our key to the game. B Scott and I will give both of those and then we'll go ahead and get into our predictions, uh, after that. So let's go ahead and get right into, uh, Friday, uh, morning with our two, a preview. You've got the, and uh, the number five in two, a Andre and 59ers, they're 10 and three against number six, Evansville, modern day, the wildcats, they're 11 and three. It's a rematch of last season's two, a title game in which Andre and won. 21 to nine over modern day. Uh, Drake Bowen in that game was unreal. He had 24 uh, rushes for 171 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, the defense uh, allowed just nine points blocked punt. That was um, uh, Drake Bowen as well. They also had a blocked field goal, two interceptions um, and a fumble recovery. Obviously Andrean going for their second straight title. Evansville modern day looking for their first title since 2000. Looking at Andrean's path to Lucas oil uh, in the sectional semis, they defeated, they defeated number two LaVille 28 to six. I actually, in our sectional preview said that was a game they were potentially going to lose. So they proved me wrong there. sectional championship game. They defeated Bremen 56 to 13 in the regional. They defeated Lafayette central Catholic, the number nine team in two a 30 to 12. And then finally last week in semi-state, they defeated number 12 Fort Wayne lures 48 to 29. For Evansville Modern Day, their path to Lucas Oil. In the sectional opener, they defeated number 10, Perry Central, 35-6. to um, In the sectional semifinals, they defeated Tell City, 49-21. to In the sectional championship, they defeated number 15, North Posey, 35 to nothing. Um, in the regional, they defeated number 4, Triton Central, 35-28. to 
And in the semi-state, they defeated number one, Linton Stockton, 51-28. to So um, a lot of big wins for Evansville Modern Day along the run there. Um, player to watch. Um, my player to watch is going to be Andrean running back offense or uh, outside linebacker Drake Bowen. Um, you know, we've talked about him a lot in our preseason uh, preview when we talked about 2A. Both of our picks for the state championship in 2A were, was Andrean. And, I mean, he was a big difference maker uh, in it for Andrean in last year's state final. I mean, talk about him. You know, we talked about his impact offensively. He had three rushing touchdowns. Um, he also had six tackles, three of which for loss, including a sack. He forced a fumble, blocked the punt. He was a literal one-man wrecking crew in last year's 2A state final, and he's a big reason and why the 59ers ended up getting the title um, this season. In the regular season, he had 738 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns, two 100-yard games, one 200-yard games. But in the postseason, he has really come alive. He's got 951 rushing yards, 13 rushing touchdowns. Um, he's had four 100-plus yard games, three 200-yard games. In the semi-state win over Lures, he had 358 yards and five touchdowns, six tackles for loss, two sacks in that game. I mean, he has been an absolute monster uh, through this uh, state championship run. Um, you know, he's reached another another level. Um, he's, you know, he's another big game away from propelling Andrean to another state final. So um, if Andrean wants to win, um, they need another big game from Drake Bowen. Um, but I think what can keep modern day in this game, and I think what gives modern day a real fighting chance, my key to the game, um, is the rushing attack, rushing attack of Evansville modern day. Um, both squads are top 40 defensively in the state. Modern day is fourth in 2A, allowing 14 points per game. Andrean is sixth in the class, allowing 15 points per game. So both teams have strong defenses, meaning the offense that steps up can uh, and can move the ball well will be the team that hoists the trophy. On the season, modern day averages 30 points per game. Uh, three games scoring 30-plus uh, or more during the regular season. They averaged 118 rushing uh, yards during the regular season. But in the postseason, much like Drake Bowen, that rushing attack for modern day has come alive. They're averaging 41 points per game, averaging 167 yards on the ground. Their leading rusher, Joey Pierre, has had three straight 100-plus yard games going into semi-state. Um, uh, zero on the season. Um, he had five regular season touchdowns. He has had five. He had five. Uh, this postseason heading into the game against Linton Stockton, which I mean, I thought Linton Stockton, you know, I did my uh, I did my uh, semi-state tier list. Linton Stockton was a banner raiser for me in 5A. I didn't think a team was going to beat them. And the fact that Evansville Modern Day absolutely beat the bricks off of uh, Linton Stockton in the postseason means a lot. Um, so and I think if they need to if they want to go blow for blow with Andrean, they need to have the rushing attack keep up with Drake Bowen. Um, last season going into the state final, they averaged 130 plus yards per game on the ground. Um, and uh Andrean held them to 82. So um if they want to have if they want to stay in this game, potentially get the win, I think Evansville Modern Day needs to have a big game on the ground. Yeah, so for me, the player I'm looking at is somebody that's gonna help Evansville Modern Day try to stop Drake Bowen, and that is junior Aiden Shue. Uh, for modern day, he uh, leads the team with 119 tackles, including six for uh, a loss this season. Um, if if modern day wants to have a a shot of slowing down Drake Bowen, uh, look for Aiden Shue to have a, a big game in that regard. Um, so for me, the key for modern day, like I just said, is slow down Drake Bowen. Um, look, he is the best player in the state, hands down. He, I mean, Notre Dame's recruiting him, everything. So he, it's going to be a tough task, a tall task to stop him. But 
if you can get into a shootout and force uh, and, and force them to get out of their comfort zone and away from running the ball, you have a shot. And that and that just it takes a few stops. Um, and Aiden Shue is the player that can help them do that. So my key is slow Drake Bowen down and then go ahead and just run your offense. Do what you have done this postseason. It, it, it worked against Litton Stockton. Continue doing that moving forward. Yeah. So uh, as far as uh, getting into the predictions, um, you know, for who we think is going to win 2A, you know, it's it's really easy to go in and, and just fade last year's result um, and just be like, oh, well, I mean, these are two really good programs. And Drayan got them last year. They're going to get the revenge game this year. But I really think it is going to be Evansville modern day. Um, I've thought, you know, I th- I've thought Andrean would lose to LaVille, so that makes me leery of, go- of going against them again. You know, it's one of those things where I've kind of faded them the entire postseason run, and they've just really surprised me uh, through the entirety of that run. Um, you know, they have had an impressive, uh, you know, but modern day's run through the postseason has been equally impressive. I mean, you know, especially the way they took care of number one, Linton Stockton. They have had three wins this postseason against the AP top 10 in 2A. Uh, their offense is clicking at the right time. Talked about, uh, you know, they only had three 30-point games through the regular season. They've scored 35 or more in all five playoff games. Um, their 51 versus Linton Stockton was their season high for points scored on the season. The previous high was in the sectional semifinal versus Tell City. Um, they're undefeated for rushing uh, when rushing for 170 plus yards this season. Um, and their postseason average is 167, like we said earlier. I mean, it's close. Uh, you can you know kind of flip a coin and, and make a pr- prediction here, but I'm gonna go ahead and fade last season's result. I think Evansville Modern Day gets it done um, and gets the revenge um, against Andrean. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be Evansville Modern Day. Look, they're they're led by head coach Mike Goble, who's in his 26th season with that program. Mike Goble is a legend at, at Modern Day, whether it be with football. Um, yeah, he hasn't had the same success at football as he's had at wrestling. Trust me, I've been on the uh, other side of the mat from a Mike Goble-led team a couple times, um, and they, they were no joke. Um, so, you know, he, he he's a winner. And I think he gets his second, he gets another state title. Um, their first, I believe since it's since 2000. Yeah. Um, so that will be good. And um, so, yeah, I got Evansville modern day at bringing home the, what class was this? Two See, a. it's so confusing. Two, two a, a, the two yeah. a <laughs> championship. There's so many classes. It, it would special is especially confusing considering we wrestled Evansville modern day a lot for state championships. There is no class. It's yeah. I was going to say it's kind at least of, when I wrestled, there wasn't any classes for it's, wrestling. It's kind of like what level. conference realignment has done to college football. You're like, wait, in wrestling, you know, Oklahoma state's in the big 10. What it's, it's so, you know, <laughs> Missouri, Missouri yeah. was in the Mac last year. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like, wait, wait a minute. What? Um, and now so, Missouri yeah. has gone back to the big 12 for wrestling. Yeah. It's so confusing. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and move on to 4A, which is one of those games where we are guaranteed to get a new champion, New Prairie. Uh, they're the number six team in 4A. They're 13-1. and one. They've never won a state championship. And you've also got 
Uh, uh, the team they're going to go up against, number four, East Central, the Trojans. They're 12-2. and two. They uh, haven't won since 2017, so they're looking to get um, a state championship as well. New Prairie's path to Lucas Oil. Their sectional opener was a win over Kankakee Valley, 47-6. to six. They also defeated Lowell in the sectional ch- uh, semifinals, 42-6. to six. And in the sectional championship game, they defeated Trey Gibson and Hobart with a 49 49- to 28 win um in the regional they defeated northridge 55 to 7 and then in the semi-state probably their most impressive win of the postseason they defeated number seven kokomo 10 to 9 east central's path to lucas oil uh, in the sectional opener they defeated Ed- edgewood 53 to nothing in the semifinals they defeated silver creek 42 to 6 and then in the sectional championship game one of their impressive well with the start of their impressive uh final three games they defeated a, a good martinsville team um, number 14 into uh, in 4A, 47 to nothing. In the regional, they defeated number 11, Evansville Memorial, 35 to 21. And in the semi-state, they defeated number two, Ron Indianapolis Ron Colley, 24 to 21 in an insane overtime game. It was a game in which uh, East Central blocks Ron Colley's attempt at the game-winning field goal. Um, as uh, you know, the clock was winding down in that one, then they force a fumble in overtime to kick their own game-winning field goal. So what an insane game that was. As far as my player to watch, He's a guy who's, you know, a three C media player of the week. He's just an insane runner. Um, you know, nuts. Nuts. Yeah, yeah the, the kind of numbers he's put up. I mean, you know, we've been on the Luke Hansen hype train for a long time, you know, you know, as far as, you know, he's our running back on the all three C media team, but Josh Ringer has made his case um, for why he should be on that list as well. I mean, he became East Central season single season leader for points scored this season. He's fifth in the state in rushing with uh, 2,197 yards, second behind Luke Hansen, um, uh, you know, for uh, from Ron Colley. So in, in that game, uh, you know, in the 4A semi state, you had two some of the two of the best runners in the state in that ball game. Um, he's got 35 rushing touchdowns on the season. He has a 300 yard game, a 200 yard game that came in the sexual championship versus Martinsville. He's had 12 games of 100 plus yards, 11 multi touchdown games, six games of three plus touchdowns, three games of four plus touchdowns, two games of five plus touchdowns, and a six touchdown game versus South Dearborn earned him 3C Media Player of the Week honors. He had 700. 88 yards, 14 touchdowns. Um, during this postseason, he's averaging 158 yards per game, three touchdown average. Um, he's the key to East Central's offense. Um, uh, that is fourth and 4A, 35th in the state. So East Central has really come alive this season, and a lot of that is because of running back Josh Ringer. So my player, I'm actually going to go with players to watch. You'll, you'll understand here in a second. But I'm going with uh, a couple of players from New Prairie. Look, they run a power spread offense that is led by senior running back Noah Mungia. He's rushed for 1,868 yards and 21 touchdowns. But it's not just him. It's a two-headed monster with junior quarterback Marshall uh, Kemesic. He has, oh, he has 1,331 rushing yards and 14 touchdowns. Now, you might be thinking, okay, yeah, they run a, a power spread offense, but typically if you're going to spread out, you got to throw the ball a little bit too. Yeah, Kamesic doesn't throw – they don't throw the ball a lot. However, he is a big passing play threat. He is currently averaging more than 22 yards per completion. Uh, and he's right this season, he's got 1,198 yards passing and 16 touchdowns. So look, this offense can move the ball and it can move the ball in big chunks in a, in a hurry. There's a lot for a defense to have to think about. So watch, I'm, I'm, I'm really watching 
uh, running back Noah Mungia and uh, quarterback Marshall Kamisic. If I said his name right, I don't know. It's yeah. Well, and I mean, you talked about some defenses, and that is going to be something to watch. I mean, that's a that's an offense that can you know that needs to go tit for tat with East Central and Josh Ringer. Um, but you mentioned the defenses, and that's what I've got as my key to the game. Uh, New Prairie's defense, specifically against the run, trying to slow down. Um, Josh Ringer. Uh, New Prairie and East Central are actually tied for second defensively in 4A, allowing 11 points per game. The Cougars shut down Kokomo uh, last week, uh, the second best offense in 4A. Um, they held the Wildcats to 149 rushing yards, their lowest output of the season. The only game Kokomo failed to get 200 yards this season on the ground. The offense for New Prairie has been popping off for their five highest scoring games have come this postseason, so that offense is clicking at the right time. They proved they can do just enough in a defensive struggle to get the job done. So that almost, I mean, you talk about their impressive games, you know, on the season. Oh, they're scoring all these points this postseason. Really, that's the most impressive in my eyes is the fact that, like, you know, because I, I I like to talk about when in these games, if you got a you know kind of a glaring difference between the offense and defense, so you've got like a, a really good offense versus a really good defense. I usually just kind of reverse that and say, okay, well, that's the key to the game. What can, you know, the other sides of the ball for those two teams do? And the fact that they were able to get into kind of a knockout, drag out defensive struggle and still do enough offensively really shows what they're able to do. Um, so, yeah, I think the defense for New Prairie is really going to have to step up big, you know, because their offense can do just enough. So their defense really has to uh, slow down. Uh, the offense for East Central, um, you know, and if they can slow down Josh Ringer, I think the Cougars really have a shot in this game. Yeah, I, I'm going kind of the same direction, except I'm saying the defense. Uh, I'm, I'm saying the defense of New Prairie as well. It's you know it's going to be um, a challenge to to stop Josh Ringer. I mean, look when you look at running backs, you go a thousand yard season is. is it is the the mile marker. That's what you want to hit. That's when you know you've had a good season. I mean, he's got well over two thousand rushing yards. That's that's insane. But I I like the defense. I like New Prairie to be able to attempt to slow him down, especially when you have a senior linebacker roaming the field that's leading your team in tackles with one hundred and thirty tackles, two sacks, and two interceptions, and Tavion Ortman. I feel like that's kind of can be a potential difference maker is when you have that kind of experience and leadership uh, roaming there at the mid level, especially when you're going up against a big time rusher and uh, in uh, Josh Ringer. So my key to the game is, you know, the new prairie defense really needs to be honed in and ready to attack at the line of scrimmage to uh, make sure Josh Ringer you know, he's going to get his, he's going to get it. You just got to be prepared for that. Don't let that get you down. Do not and, and just keep moving forward. Come back out there. Next drive. It's a brand new drive. Go out there, play your hardest, get your stops and get off the field, but don't get down. If, if he breaks one or if he get, if he puts a long prolonged drive together, just don't let that don't get down. Just keep looking forward constantly. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be up to that Cougar defense to kind of dictate this game because if they, you know, if this 
East Central offense gets cooking early, especially, I mean, the defense is good as well for the Trojans. So if they, you know, get up a couple of scores early, you know, it could spell disaster for that New Prairie, uh, you know, shot at winning this title. Uh, But as far as predictions go, I am going to go with East Central. Give me the Trojans. Um, Both teams are pretty evenly matched statistically, but I think if this becomes a knockout, dragout defensive struggle, the Trojans have more firepower than what Kokomo had. Um, They do still have quarterback Cole Burton, who is eighth in 4A in passing, 1,700 yards, 22 touchdowns. Wide receiver Ryan Brotherton is ninth in 4A with receiving yards. As far as receiving yards go, 841 yards, 11 touchdowns. All that plus the impressive run they've had uh, this season, running through the ranked teams they've run through in the tournament. The Bounces they got versus Ron Colley. I mean, it just kind of is one of those things. It just kind of signifies that it's their year. The fact, I mean, three straight weeks, number 14, Martinsville, you know, uh, Evansville Memorial, uh, Ron Colley. I mean, the teams that they've beaten en route to the championship just makes me think that this is their year. So I'm going with the Trojans. I'm actually going with New Prairie. Um, look, their head coach, Casey McKim, was a student manager under Joe Tiller at Purdue um back when i was at purdue so not not too old um but he took full advantage of that time as a student manager and learned the spread offense pretty well uh that's what joe tiller was known for spread it out except you know they're not flinging it around quite as much but look this is a a type of offense you don't typically see at the high school level where they're going to spread it out on you and then also try to attack attack you with power running. I mean, th- this is something you just have to be ready, prepared at pretty much all three levels of your defense for this. And I think it's, it's going to be a little confusing and it's going to allow New Prairie to jump out to a, a, a quick lead um, before East Central is able to kind of get a foothold of what is going on exactly. So I, I like New Prairie because of that style of offense that they run and how unique it is to the high school level. Hey, I'm all for it. We, uh, we're, we're clashing already on our, uh, on our state finals pick. So we'll see uh, who comes out on top. We're both in on modern day, both, uh, you know, uh, I'm on East Central, you're on New Prairie. And I mean, like I said, a lot of these games, are toss-ups, you know, because mm-hmm. of what they've been able to do. I mean, because like I said, I mean, I, I I can't remember if I had New Prairie in my dark horse or if I had them as in my uh, like bottom tier, which was like nice run, but uh, your your weekend, your your season's over basically. Um, and you know, because I thought Kokomo was going to win, I had Kokomo, uh, you know, in in a pretty good position. I didn't think either of them was was going to ha- be a match for East Central. Uh, but what they were able to do, you know, against him uh, against Kokomo in the semi state, super impressive. Um, looking at six A now, the nightcap uh, on Friday, you've got number five Carroll of Fort Wayne, the Chargers. They're thirteen and zero, looking for their first ever. Uh, state championship they're going against number four center grove the trojans 11 and 2 looking for their third straight championship so a premier uh david versus goliath type matchup you've got uh although carol's had a really good season so they're not necessarily yeah. a prototypical um you know david but still uh their path to lucas oil they defeated number 10 uh pen 35 to 7 in the sectional semis they beat warsaw thir- uh, 34 to 17 number the 13th team 
uh, in 6A in the sectional championship. In the regional, they defeated number 13, Lafayette Jeff, 21 to 20. And uh, which, I mean, Lafayette Jeff, they robbed us of uh, of a crown point Carroll matchup because that would have been really good. But, uh, you know, hats off to Lafayette Jeff, what they were able to do, the fighting Nicky Omens. Um, and then in the <laughs> semi-state, uh, they defeated number one, Hamilton Southeastern, 21 to 15, a team that, I mean, you looked at their resume through the season. The I Royals, thought they were going. Yeah, I thought they were Lucas Oil bound. Yeah, uh, Hamilton Southeastern. I mean, their resume they put up so, uh, was insane. You know, beating Westfield twice, beating Fishers twice. So to be able to knock that team off was pretty impressive. Um, Center Groves path Lucas Oil in the sectional semifinals. They defeated Franklin Central fourteen to ten in the sectional championship game. They defeated Columbus North forty nine to fourteen. In the regional, they defeated number 12, Warren Central, 42-32, to and then their most impressive win maybe of the season. Do we want to go that far? Um, They've they already def- played. They, they played Cathedral already right. this season. But their most too. impressive they, win, though, they lost. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, they defeated number two, uh, Indianapolis Cathedral, 33-10. to So even if it's not maybe the most impressive win, it's the most – well, may, I would say most impressive just because they won by 23. I mean, that's pretty – yeah, uh, you know, insane. I mean, I thought I thought Cathedral. I thought it was going to be Hamilton Southeastern versus Cathedral. Same. Six A. Um, and so you know what a run by Center Grove. Of course, I had you know I had I had Cathedral as a dark horse as far as like my semi-state teams, and of course, a lot of people coming into the live on Friday let me know that I was wrong about Center Grove. Which hey, I'll happily admit that Center Grove. I mean, you looked at Center Grove's resume and you were like. They, I mean, Franklin Central, they struggled with Franklin Central, who, you know, was under 500, three and seven on the season. They struggled with Columbus. Well, they didn't struggle with Columbus North, but, you know, that win isn't super impressive. They finished under 500. Warren Central was 500 this year. So they didn't have the resume going into semi state where you're like, okay, this is a team that's going to, you know, really, you know, contend again for a championship. But here they are yet again. Um, You know, as far as looking, at a player to watch. I'm actually going to go to the defensive side of the football here. I'm going to say Center Grove Jr. Elijah Chandler. And the reason is, um, you know, both teams have a top 10 passer. Both teams have a top 10 rusher. Both teams have a top 10 receiver in 6A. Um, So I think the defense is really going to have to come into play here, especially for Center Grove, because one thing the Trojans were lacking in my eyes uh, going into semi-state weekend was a top caliber defense. Every other defense in 6A that was remaining um, was in the top six or top 10 in the class top six, really they held cathedral, the sixth best offense in six a to just 10 points. So the defense stepped up in a big way. A big part of that was Elijah Chandler. I mean, he had five tackles, two and a half sacks, uh, which believe it or not, was only tied for the team uh, lead in the game. Uh, as far as sacks go, uh, Chandler is the third leading tackler on the team. He leads the team in sacks. Um, you know, this is a team in center Grove that had big shoes to fill when Caden Curry left for Ohio state and Chandler has stepped up in a big way. So I think he's going to have to have another big game for center Grove to notch another title. So for me, when I look at this game, the player I I'm watching the most is center Grove junior quarterback, Tyler cherry. He's got on this season, 2,124 passing yards and 21 touchdowns. The reason I say him is because this Carroll defense is is a, is a really stellar defense. I mean, they're only allowing 9.8 points per game. That That's really impressive. Um, if Center Grove, you know, we all know Center Grove can score. We, we do know that, but it's going to be a challenge against this Carroll team. And I need to see some poise and good leadership out of uh, Tyler Cherry in order for Center Grove to be able to pull this off. As far as a key to the game, 
Um, I think my key for this uh, 6-8 championship game is uh, that Carroll needs to slow down the center grove offense, more, more specifically the rushing tandem of Micah Coyle and Jalen Thomason. Uh, Coyle on the season, he's got 1,941 yards, 21 touchdowns. Thomason, 954 yards, nine touchdowns on the season. In wins, they average 240 yards, and 26. T- they've had 26 touchdowns in those wins. In losses, they average 125 yards. Um, and four, they've had four total touchdowns in those games. Uh, the Trojans also are two and two overall when rushing for 150 yards or fewer. The Chargers are the second uh, best defense in 2A as far as points allowed, tenth in the state, allowing just ten, allowing just under 10 points per game. They held Hamilton Southeastern to under 20 points for just the second time all season. First time since opening weekend, the Royals averaged 30 uh, plus points per game on the season. They also had an interception, a blocked punt. Hamilton Southeastern running back uh, Jalen Alexander, who's second behind Coyle in the class of rushing with 1,500 yards, did leave the game uh, with 413 to play in the first half on Friday due to injury. But prior to that, he had been held to just 25 yards on 10 carries. So they were holding him uh, in pretty good um, – they were holding him pretty well up to that point before he had to leave due to injury. So it's not like he was having this – you know, insane first half and, and got hurt. He was being held pretty much in check. So if Carroll wants to get their first state championship and knock off the Goliath in center Grove, they're going to need the defense to really shut down that rushing attack of center Grove. I've already kind of mentioned it once, but my key to the game is the center Grove offense. Look, you need to play poised, play your style of football, stay within your game plan. And just like a lot, I've said a lot of other ones, if you make a mistake, just forget it. Move on from the mistake. You need to have a short-term memory when it comes to those types of things. Look, you've been here before. This is your fourth straight trip to Lucas Oil Stadium. You you know what the atmosphere is going to be like. That You're looking for your third straight state championship. Just play within your means. Do what you do best. And don't. if you make a mistake, it's fine. Forget about it. Move on. Um, but on the flip side of that... You need to limit the mistakes. Just because you made a mistake and you're able to move on doesn't mean you can go out and make another mistake. You need to limit the mistakes, play smart football, and just play within your game plan. And I'm glad that you bring that up because there's I don't think there's a team better equipped to kind of uh, you know, forget about it, move on. And the team that's literally made the state finals the last four years, literally the senior, the class of 2023 football, uh, you know, for center Grove doesn't know what it's like to not finish their season at Lucas oil stadium, which is pretty insane. Um, so as far as my prediction goes, I'm going to give the edge to center Grove just for the simple fact that it is their fourth straight trip to Lucas oil. I mean, these two teams do have a lot of similarities. You have Carroll quarterback, Jimmy Sullivan, who's fifth and six a in passing with 2,200 yards, uh, 27 touchdowns, uh, center Grove t- uh, quarterback, Tyler cherry. You mentioned him a little bit earlier. He's seventh with two, uh, 2,124 yards. Um, and 21 touchdowns. Michael Coyle leads 6A in rushing for Center Grove with uh, 1,941 yards and 21 TDs. Nathan Starks the seventh with uh, 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. Noah Coy is second in 6A in receiving for the Trojans with over 1,000 yards and 13 touchdowns. Camden Hirschberger is ninth for the Chargers uh, with 737 yards and seven touchdowns. Carroll is seventh defensively. Center Grove is coming off their defensive uh, best defensive game of the season. Um, so, uh, you know, because there's so many similarities because this game for me is a coin flip, I have to go with the team that does have the experience. It's, it's Carol's first trip to Lucas oil. Are they, you know, how, 
how loose are they going to play? How tense are they going to be when they do, like you said, make that mistake? Because Center Grove, I mean, business as usual. Like I said, they're used to finishing their season at Lucas Oil Stadium. So, you know, they have a screw up early on in the game. They're like, all right, cool. We've been here before. We've literally blown out. We we blew out Westfield two years ago. We won a barn burner versus Westfield, you know, a year ago. Um, So we literally, you know, kind of have been in a lot of situations here at Lucas Oil Stadium. So we know how to make those adjustments. How well will Carroll do in those same situations? I don't have nearly as much faith as I do in Center Grove. Um, so, I mean, you know, it is, um, you know, and also in the climate controlled uh, fast track at Lucas Oil for that center grove offense. So, yeah, I think the Trojans do come away with the three P. Yeah, I agree. I think it is center grove. Um, it all comes back deck back to experience. I mean, Carol is going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be a bright lights, big stage moment for them. Um, can they handle it? Yeah, they can handle it. I mean, but it is a little different when you are playing down there because Center Grove packs the place. They travel very, very well. I mean, look, Lucas Oil Stadium is on the really on the south side of Indianapolis, so it's a little bit closer <laughs> to Center Grove uh, in that regards. I mean, obviously, it's closer to Center Grove than Fort Wayne Carroll, yeah. <laughs> but um, but I, I just I, I think the experience will help overcome things here. I mean. The Carroll defense is good. We we know that, but um, it's it's going to be a challenge for them. And Center Grove, it's just business as usual for them, and that that's going to be a tough thing to overcome. So I'm going Center Grove as well. All right. Well, there you have it. We both have Center Grove. We both have Evansville Modern Day. The only game we differ on, uh, B. Scott has New Prairie in the 4A. I have East Central in the 4A. So before we get to Saturday's games, though, let's go ahead and hear from our friends of the show. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps on your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. So now we're on to Saturday and the odd numbered classes will get a chance uh, at the championship here on uh, Thanksgiving weekend. It'll start with 1A. You've got number one, Lutheran, uh, the Indianapolis Lutheran Saints. They're 14 and 0, looking to repeat uh, their championship. Uh, they're going to take on the number two, Adam Central Jets, who, like our other rematch, um, are, are looking for their first state championship since 2000. So like modern day, they're, they're looking for uh, their first title here in about 22 years or so. Uh, the Jets are also 14-0. Lutheran is the only team ranked number one in the state, in their in their respective class, to make the state finals, which is wow, pretty insane. A, that is. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's also the only number one versus number two matchup as well. Um, it is a rematch of last season's 1A title game uh, in which Lutheran won 34-28 to 28 over Adams Central. So uh, looking at Lutheran's path to Lucas Oil, you had the sectional opener where they defeated number 10 South Putnam 42 to nothing in the sectional semifinals. They defeated Cloverdale 63 to nothing. Sectional championship, they defeated number 11 Covenant Christian 56 to nothing. In the regional, they defeated number 12 Providence 49 
to seven. And in the semi-state, they defeated number three, North Decatur, 28 to seven. For Adams Central, their path to Lucas Oil in the sectional opener, they defeated number 14, Southwood, 56 to 14. In the semifinals, they defeated number nine, South Adams. Both are picks to uh, win the state in 1A. Uh, th- uh, they beat them 55 to 20. In the sectional championship, they defeated Northfield 41 to 13. Uh, in the regional, they defeated number eight, Carroll, Florida, 35 to nothing. And in the semi-state, they defeated number four, North Judson, 35 to nothing. So looking at a player to watch, you know, I've talked about him quite a bit. Um, he's our 1A, uh, or not our 1A, but our uh, overall 3C media quarterback. Uh, he's the quarterback on the all three C media team. Um, and that is Lutheran quarterback Jackson Willis. I mean, he's top 15 in passing yards in the country. He's the top passer in the state, best quarterback rating among the top 50 passers in Indiana. Um, he's got 300, uh, 3,890 yards, 51 touchdowns, just six interceptions, six games of 300 plus yards passing eight games with four plus touchdowns, three, five plus uh, three, five touchdown games, a six touchdown game versus cascade. He leads the state's top scoring offense, averaging 50 points per game three. He, he also, you know, is distributing it to three of one A's top 10 receivers um, in Micah McKay, who's got 1,403 yards, 16 touchdowns, Brian Shelby, who's got 863 yards and 14 touchdowns and Devon Jones, who's got 800 touchdowns or 800 yards and 11 touchdowns on the season. So he's really spread it around, um, you know, you know, gotten it to a lot of his playmakers out there who have put up a lot of points. Um, and, and this is just his sophomore year, which is also, you know, insane to think about. So, I mean, he's become the facilitator on the state's top offense. And if Lutheran wants to go back to back, he'll have to have another big game. So looking out for Jackson Willis, in this game, um, you know, we had a lot of good quarterback performances last year, you know, Brady Allen and, and the like, you know, Montesi Clay for Lutheran. Um, so uh, Jackson Willis wants to put his name uh, in on the uh, on the state finals. So I am actually going to say the player, my player to watch is the guy that's going to be tasked with trying to stop Jackson Willis. And that is um, Adam, that that is Adam Central. Uh, junior linebacker Keegan Bloom. Look, um, this team, this Adam Central team is defensive led. I mean, they, they can put up points. Uh, they're third in margin of victory at 35.9 points. Uh, they they do, I mean, they it's, it's going to be tough for them uh, regardless. But they have six starters back on defense this year from la- the state runner-up team last year. Um, that is led by Keegan Bloom. He is a linebacker. I, I'm, I'm one of those people that believe that if your defense is going to be solid and you have a good defense, you, you need to have that leader at linebacker. I think any successful defense has that guy that is almost like the quarterback of the defense. And the, the best position for that player to play is linebacker typically. So I'm, I'm going to keep an, my eye on Keegan Bloom to see if he can help lead his defensive squad um, to attempting to slow down Lutheran, um, which is, that's also going to be my key to the game as well. Um, I'll, I'll just go ahead and jump in. Is that okay if I jump yeah, in and get yeah, my key? Yeah. So my, my, I'm just going to continue. My, mine is the, the Adam central defense, you know, just, you play don't play you play aggressive but don't play overly don't play on your heels don't be playing to prevent a big play go after him attack him um, play a, a just hard style defense 
play your defense that you've played this year, rely on your, your experience. Look, you are returning six starters from your defense on your defense that started last year as a state runner up. So you know what it takes. You played a close game against Lutheran last year in the state championship game. So build on that and take that confidence and just and go right at them. Don't play scared. Don't play on your heels. Yes. Jackson Willis is going to get his as well, but don't let that deter you from looking at your ultimate goal. Yeah, and you talked about the uh, defense for Adams Central. They do have a good defense, and that's kind of goes into my key to the game, which is Luther needs to start fast. Uh, they were held without a point in the first quarter versus North Gator in the semi-state. They only had seven points at halftime. It was a 7-7 tie. They led 14-7 to after the third. They only had pulled away from North Gator in the fourth with a pair of touchdowns. The 28 points was tied for their lowest um, uh, output on the season. Uh, Lutheran in last year's state final did fall behind 14 to nothing and 21-7 to to Adams Central in the state final. It took a big game. Uh, from quarterback Monty Clay to give Lutheran the lead and ultimately the title. Adam Central has the 12th best defense in the state in terms of points allowed, um, 10 points allowed per game, fourth in 1A. They've allowed eight or fewer points in eight games this season, including three shutouts. They have back-to-back shutouts in the regional and semi-state rounds. They haven't allowed a point in the tournament since the sectional championship. Um, it should be noted that uh, their offense can keep up with Lutherans. They average 46 points per game on the season, second and 1A behind Lutheran. Uh, 44 this postseason is what their average is. Uh, they've scored 40-plus in 11 of uh, 14 games this season, five games of scoring 50 or more. Um, so this offense is good enough to compete with Lutheran. So, you know, Adam Central was in prime position to win the state final last season. And if, and if they have an, I mean, if Lutheran has another slow start, it could spell disaster for the Saints. But ultimately, as far as my prediction goes, I am going to go with Lutheran. Um, I just like the firepower that the Saints have when we talked about their passing game, their three great receivers, Jackson Willis. Um, we also can talk about their uh, running back, uh, Joe Davis. Has, uh, all, the, all the while, I'll talk about their passing game. Their uh, rush running back has 1,769 yards and 28 touchdowns. So, I mean, that offense is just insane. We talked about the defense for Adam Central. Lutheran has a good one in their own right. Actually, statistically better than the Jets by a few decimal points, which all rounds up to, again, 10 points allowed per game. So the Saints have the better offense, defense, and quarterback, and so that's why I'm leaning for them to win back-to-back titles. Yeah, I, I, I'm going with Lutheran as well. I just feel like their offensive attack is just going to – it's going to prevail. I mean – I think we're yeah, looking at a better offensive performance from them than last year. I think their offense yeah, is going to put I, a I lot think, of Yeah, Montessi Clay, he was a good quarterback, but I feel like what we're seeing now from Jackson Willis, you're, it's just – it's he's only a sophomore, guys, so – it's it's going to be a, a wild ride over the next two years with him, and I I, I could see him really blowing up, um, big time. Uh, hopefully, you know it's tough playing in one A because you do get overlooked a lot uh, in recruiting because of the level of competition you are playing. But numbers don't lie. If you're able to still put up those types of numbers where you're the fifteenth best passer in the entire country that says something so I, I it's it's so hard to overcome when you have a really good quarterback at the high school level and he can really sling it around and his wide receivers are are good as well that's a really tough thing to overcome at the high school level so that's why i'm going lutheran 
Yeah, I've always like I I understand the discrepancy between classes. Like when you say like, oh well, you know, you know, I'd understand why you know a guy at one A might be overlooked as opposed to a guy in five or six A. But like, if it were true that like the, I mean, because you still got to go out and do it, you still have to go out and put up those numbers. And it's like if every, I mean, why then isn't every quarterback in the state like that's the top like fifteen or ten? Like why aren't they all in one A? I mean, there. I mean, to well, that, to also, that, to the that thing same is, focus, there are like the top two passers are from one A: Cooper Simmons, Little, and uh, and uh, Willis. But at the same time, it's not like you know the top twenty are flooded with all one A guys. It's I mean, right. they, you know, so it's still like like I said, I I get it, but at the same time, like it shouldn't mean that what, and I know you're not saying this, but like, it shouldn't mean that like what he's doing should mean anything less because it's at one. Oh, I know. Yeah, exactly. I think if he was up there in four, a five, a or six, a, you know, it would be a name that's on everybody's radar. Now he's only a sophomore, so he's not even really on the, on rate. He's on probably on radars, but he's not like on a national scale radar because look, he's only a sophomore. He's not even rated yet. Sophomores aren't even rated by these recruiting rankings yet, especially unless you're like going to definitely be like a top five guy. But again, those guys are only the ones that are playing at the highest level. I mean, look, a guy like Brady Allen last year, he was in three a and they it's he prior, I think to his junior season, he was heavily overlooked on, on the national level, which is what allowed Purdue to swoop in there and get him out of, out of Southern Indiana. So these types of players, they fly under the radar longer because for some reason, these college coaches look at him and go, yeah, he put up those great numbers. But when you're throwing to guys that or that are playing both ways, at that level, you see that quite a bit at the one A level. I mean, you you've called a, quite a few one A games, yeah. And you know it. Sometimes you get these schools out there that they barely have enough guys on the roster to even field a team, and they're having to play both ways. So it, that's why sometimes these guys get overlooked. But I I do think a player like Jackson Willis, if he is up there in one of the higher classes, and he's slinging it around, say at a school like. I don't know, like what's this like Carmel or Center Grove or Cathedral? Look, that guy's being looked at like he's got Nick Saban sitting in the stands then. But this is a type of player that's going to fly under the radar and he's going to ultimately end up somewhere probably pr- more local than anything. He, you know, this could be a guy that ends up at a Purdue, at a Ball State type type player. I mean, if he blows up eventually it could, you know, Notre Dame even, but it, it, it is unfortunate. So that's, that's long story short. It's unfortunate that a player coming out of one a gets labeled as, well, your competition just wasn't that good. It's like still numbers don't lie. 51 you touchdowns know, he's a good quarterback. less than less than almost 4,000 yards, 51 touchdowns and less than 10 picks. That's he has to be accurate. He has to have a good, have good zip on the ball to be able to put up those kinds of numbers. Right. I mean, you can teach reading coverages and everything, but because guess what? There's not that many coverages played in high <laughs> school football. There just isn't, especially in Indiana. Let's, let's just be honest. Right. So numbers don't lie. 
So moving on to 3A, you've got number six, Bishop Shatard, the Trojans. They're 10 and four. They're looking to win what's, I guess, two championships in the last four years. Their last championship was 2020. Um, and then you've got their opponent, the number nine, Lawrenceburg Tigers. They're 13 and one. They're looking for their first title since the 1970s. Shatard's title or Shatard's path to Lucas Oil in the sectional opener. They defeated Northwestern 47 to 19. In the sectional semis, they defeated Hamilton Heights 41 to 14. In the sectional championship, they defeated number 12, Garen Catholic 49 to 13, a team that they had only beaten by one in the regular season. Uh, in the regional, they defeated Yorktown 42 to 14. And in the semi-state, they defeated number one, West Lafayette, 21 to 3. Uh, Lawrenceburg's path to Lucas Oil, it was kind of funny because they got matched up with South Dearborn, who they beat 35 to 6. That was a team they beat in the regular season finale um as well. So they had to play <laughs> South Dearborn two weeks in a row, which is pretty interesting. Which I was I was saying on the live, I was like, I mean, I know it's not that deep, it's high school football, but like do you like not show all of your looks like offensively and defensively because it's the team that you're playing in the first round of the, of the sectional, like what do you, how do you game plan? But um, in the sectional semifinals, they defeated Greensburg 28 to nothing in the sectional championship. They defeated Batesville 33 to seven in the regional. They defeated number 10 Southridge 31 to seven in the semi-state. They defeated Monrovia 35 to seven. So looking at my player to watch, I am going to stick with Lawrenceburg, that amazing defense that they have. Um, and I'm going to go with Lawrenceburg middle linebacker, Jake Pierce. The Tigers boast the top defense in the state, allowing just six points per game. And Jake Pierce is a big part of that unit. He's the team leader in tackles with 114. He uh, averages eight tackles per game. He's the fifth. Uh, he's got five games with 10 plus tackles, eight tackles in the semi-state win over Mon Monrovia. He has two sacks on the season. He's a team leader in interceptions with four. He also has two pick sixes. He's got two fumble recoveries. He's got a blocked punt on the season. I mean, he has just been all over the field for that defense that is the best in the state. He has just been an absolute monster, a big leader on that Lawrenceburg defense that has been good all year, um, and he'll be a key factor in the Tigers' recipe for victory. Jake Pierce is going to have to have a big game. So just so you are aware, Bishop Schutard is the all-time state championship leader with 15, and they are, they are looking to win the 3A title for the third time in four years. Okay. All right. So along those same lines, my player to watch, you talked about um, the Lawrenceburg defense. It's there's no doubt. The Lawrenceburg defense is, is really, really good. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, I am going with Bishop Chattard quarterback, senior quarterback, Drew Van Van Vliet. He's got 2,732 yards passing and 28 touchdowns. Yeah. It, that it's not impressed. It's not like, Wow, it's not Jackson Willis uh, type numbers, but I'm calling him my player to watch because if Shatard wants the opportunity to claim that third title in four years, they need to play solid football on offense. And that starts with the game facilitation by senior quarterback Drew Van Vliet. If he can just take over his offense, run it the way he knows how to run it and keep his guys calm, cool, collected, and just move the ball methodically. That gives Shatard a chance to win this game. Um, 
So I'm, I'm watching him and his leadership. It's more so about his senior leadership than it is about any stats or anything. You need your senior quarterback, your senior leader to step up at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, and that goes right along with my key to the game because points will be at a premium. Um, so whichever offense does get it going um, is going to be in good position. I mean, we talked about Lawrenceburg and how good they are on defense. They're the best in the state and class. Uh, Chittard has only allowed an average of 13 points this postseason, which is down from their season average. On the season, they were allowing about 20. Um, on the postseason, they've kind of cut that in half a little bit, allowing 13 points per game. They held a top five 3A offense in West Lafayette to just three points last week. Um, and so looking at their offense, Chattard averaged 32 points per game on the season. They're averaging 40 this postseason. They have three games of 40 plus uh, points in the regular season. They had four. They have had four during this state tournament run. Uh, Lawrenceburg averages 35 points per game on the season. They have two um, of three A's top 15 rushers in Tegan Bennett, who's got 1,410 yards, 18 touchdowns, and Alex Whittle, who's got 1,201 yards and 18 touchdowns. Um, Chittard is playing their best defense this postseason, is coming off their best defensive effort this season. Lawrenceburg has hands down the best defense in the state, so it will be up to the, one, one of these two offenses to get it going, and the team that does get it going offensively will win the state title. My key to the game is whoever is limit the mistakes. I keep going back to mistakes, but this is that time of year where, you know, now you are going up against somebody, the, the, the best so far. Um, and I, my key, it, it doesn't pertain to one team or the other. It's really both teams. I think the team that can limit their mistakes uh, is going to be the one that ultimately comes out on top of this game. Um, I'm actually going to, I'm going to, instead of like, cause my key to the game is for both teams. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a hot take. My hot take is the team that wins this state championship game will score a touchdown on defense. Yeah. Points will be hard to come by. So you have to get them where you can. And I can see a defensive touchdown being what leads one of these two teams to the state championship. I don't, and honestly, with as good as these two defenses can be, I don't think that's, um, you know, too much of a hot take at all. I mean, you know, we talked about Jake Pierce. I mean, two pick sixes on the season, so we know they can do it. Uh, Shatard has already played in Lucas Oil once this season, opening weekend is against Perbuff, and they think they had, I know they blocked a kick. I don't know if they got a defensive touchdown in that game, but I mean, um, you know, it, it is possible both these defenses are that tenacious to where they can, you know, force a turnover and get a score that way. So um, I wouldn't be surprised about that at all. Um, getting into my prediction, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, like I said, I doubted Shatar, you know, last week. And so the fact that they put up a really good performance against a team that I thought was going to win the state championship in West Lafayette. Um, because I was heck, I was already, you know, excited to see, you know, what's this West Lafayette offense gonna do against the best defense in the state? Um, and Shatard really shut them down. Um, and you know, I've doubted them a lot. But the thing with Shatard is one reason why I'm not going with Shatard is because in every big game they've had this season, they've just kind of not been there. I mean, opening week they beat they beat Brebuff, but we found out that Brebuff wasn't necessarily the team we thought they were gonna be this season. Um, against Indianapolis, Ron Colley, they lost. That was a big game. Now, granted, Chatard plays a lot of their games, uh, you know, above their class, so they don't play a lot of three A teams in the regular season. So when they get into the state championship game, it's all you know their class. Whereas they've been playing four A, five A, and six A teams. They've gotten 
you know, they got blown out 38 to nothing to Cathedral. So, I mean, I know that's a 6A school, but, I mean, this team is playing above their class. It's not like they in those big games where they can kind of prove, like, this is why we're the best team in 3A. They kind of laid an egg in those games. So that's why I, I am a little bit still hesitant to pick them, you know, because, hey, you had this really tough, impressive schedule, but you went 5-4. and four. Um, So while, yeah, through the state tournament, I don't, you know, they didn't get the best – you know, team in their sectional Oak Hill got bounced early. Um, you know, they, you know, Yorktown, I don't, you know, definitely had a great run, but I don't think that's, a, you know, the best competition they could have faced in the reason regional. I'm not taking anything away from them. We're not trying to, but I think that's why I'm a, a little hesitant to go with them as my pick. I am going to go with Lawrenceburg um, because, you know, I just like what the Tigers are really about. They allowed 38 points um, to another state finalist, East Central, on opening night. Since then, they've allowed 47 points total the entire rest of the season. They <laughs> haven't allowed more than seven points in a game since September 2nd. They have only allowed more than eight points in a game twice. They have recorded seven shutouts on the season, including one this postseason, and they had a stretch of six straight games from September 9th to October 14th. An entire month went by. They did not allow a point to be scored against their defense. Um, having two elite runners like Tegan Bennett, and Alex Whittle, uh, and having the defense that they have, I just think Lawrenceburg will be able to control the tempo, control the game. They'll be able to run it a lot. They'll be able to force some three and outs defensively. Or, uh, and so that's why I think they're going to be your 3A champs. I'm going with Lawrenceburg. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I I was on the fence. Um, you know, I, I want it. You know what? No. I'm gonna like somebody's got to do it, so I'm gonna pick Shatard. Look, this this like I said, this team, this program, not team, this program is is the state leader in state championships one. So and for a reason, they've they've been for a reason. Yeah. They they they've been really really good, but at the same time, they know how to turn it on at the right time. Like they realize, look, the regular season and. Indiana high school football does not matter. It does not matter. Yeah, you would like to win your conference. Of course you would. That's great. Bragging rights. But when push comes to shove, everybody makes the state tournament. That is when you need to have it turned on. And Shatard gets that. It's evident by their state-leading 15 football state championships. So I'm going to go with Shatard just because it's a, it's a, my heart wants to pick Shatard to see them extend that state leading state championship total to 16. Yeah. And I mean, it's very possible again, all these games. And also if you've ever driven by Shatard, it is a, it's not very big for a three, a school. It's not very big. And look, I feel like the only reason why they're three, a is because they're so good. (laughs) They keep getting bumped up right. because of the competition rule that if you win so much, you have to make the next step. Same thing with Cathedral. Cathedral's not really a 6A school population size, but they're, they're just, just good. that good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so finally, we wrap it up with 5A. They're the nightcap on Saturday. They will finish the uh, high school football season for the year. Um, you've got number nine, the Valparaiso Vikings. They're 10 and three. Um, they haven't won a state championship since 1975. You've got number two, Whiteland, the Warriors. They're 12 and one who have never won a state championship. Valparaiso. In any sport. 
any in sport. any sport. Yeah, which is insane. Uh, you've got Valparaiso's path to Lucas Oil in the semifinals. They defeated Laporte forty-two to three in the sectional championship. They defeated number twelve Chesterton fourteen to seven in the regional. They defeated number six Merrillville fifteen to fourteen. And then in an overtime thriller, the second overtime of the night um, in the semi-state round, uh, they defeated number one, Fort Wayne Snyder, 22 to 21. It was a fourth and eight. They score on that play to, to make it 20 to 21 in the overtime, then go for two. They run it just right up the gut. They say, hey, just stop us, bro. I mean, if you want to go to the state championship, you just got to stop us. And Fort Wayne didn't stop them. Uh, they ran right up the middle, got the touchdown, and they're headed to Lucas Oil. Whiteland's path to Lucas Oil. Um, they defeated Terre Haute North 63 to 13. Um, in the sectional championship, they defeated number eight Franklin uh, 24 to nothing. And in the regional, they defeated Plainfield 49 to 14. And then they defeated number 13 Castle 21 to seven in the semi state. So looking at the player to watch for me, I'm going to stay defensively. I'm going to go with Whiteland free safety, Brady Stanifer. Uh, he had 14 tackles, three for loss, a pass deflection in the semi-state win over Castle. Um, he's ninth and 5A in tackles on the season with 115. He's the team leader in that category. He averages nine tackles per game. He's got three fumble recoveries, which leads the team. Uh, Whiteland's got a defense that is third in 5A, allowing 13 points per game. They're a top 30 defense in Indiana, and Stanifer is a key cog in that powerful defensive unit. He and defensive end Mason Darlington are both really good. Um, they're the leaders of that defense. Darlington is the team leader in sacks with five. He's also got a fumble recovery on the season. So, again, it's kind of that thing where Valpo's got a really potent run rushing attack, so it's going to be up to the defense, and I think Brady Stanifer is going to stand out in this game for Whiteland. So I so this is also going to be one of those um, strength versus strength type games. Uh, you have Valpo's defense that uh, is allowing just under 100 rushing yards per game, and then you have Whiteland's offense that uh, is one of the top, state's top rushing teams with that's averaging like 304 yards <laughs> rushing per game. So it, it's strength versus strength. So because of that, I'm looking at Valpo again. This is just going to be a theme here. Senior linebacker Alex Rodriguez. And yeah, he only he has 82 tackles on the season and four tackles for loss. But senior linebacker yet again. Look, this team, this defense that has, has been very impressive against the run has experienced linebackers not only alex rodriguez but junior linebacker ty veen he has 63 tackles 10 tackles for loss that's that's really impressive so these linebackers are are the are the real deal for this valpo defense um and it's it's going to take a big game from them just to, to, to try to shut down um one of the top rushing offenses in the entire state yeah um, it is going to be it is going to be pretty, uh, you know, pretty big. A key to the game for me um, is going to be Valpo's rushing attack. Um, they've got uh, 300. They had 305 rushing yards against the top defense in 5A in Fort Wayne. Snyder, uh, Travis Davis, the second had 43 rushes for 277 yards and two touchdowns. He also had the game winning two point conversion. They have three rushers on the season with 750 plus yards. Justin Clark with 950, Travis Davis with 863 and Thomas Berta with 769. Two of their top five highest rushing outputs this season have haven't happened this postseason. 
the game against Fort Wayne Snyder, as well as their 403 against Laporte. They're 8-0 when rushing for 200-plus yards. They're 2-3 and when failing to cross the 200-rushing-yard threshold. So if that rushing attack can get it going against another top defense in 5A, the Vikings may come out on top. I mean, that rushing attack is really key for the Vikings to try and uh, to try to win the state championship. And so if they can get it going, they'll be in good shape. If not, it could be a long night. So my key is, is very similar. It's it's between both teams. Who can establish the run the best? Both of these teams like to run. Both of these teams are really good at it. Um, but really, if you look at it, Whiteland, they have to come out and establish their run dominance early because they are going up against a really good rushing defense in Chittard. Like I've already talked about strength versus strength. So the key is here, and ultimately who could win this game, is who can establish the run first the secondary key would be who can pass the ball the best if need be. Because if, if, if somebody can establish the run and then sprinkle in there some passes, that's going to have to keep a defense honest. That, that's another thing to really keep an eye on. Now, both of these teams don't seem to be all that reliant on a pass or, you know, but who can, I mean, do it the best. I mean, obviously when you look at Whiteland, they do have senior quarterback Kevin Denham, who has thrown for over a thousand yards and thirteen touchdowns. So that that's going to be a, a big key. Can he step up if need be to make a few big pass plays to keep to really put that pressure off or take the pressure or push the pressure back on the Shatar defense? That Shatar defense is go, is one of the better rush defenses, like I've said. So can uh, can Whiteland kind of alleviate that pressure by making some plays in the passing game? So we're going to wrap it up here with our prediction for the 5A championship. Who is going to take it home? Will it be Whiteland? Will it be uh, Valparaiso? And you know what? I really want to pick Valpo. I mean, the resume over the course of the postseason is more impressive. Um, you know, I like the guts they showed against Fort Wayne Schneider. I mean, it's kind of crazy because in back-to-back live streams, um, of course, we didn't do the regional. I was out of town. So in the sectional championship game, you had Yorktown and Norwell. Norwell goes for two. They don't get it. So you're like, okay, you know, you know, you, you know you're kind of you, – you go through that debate. You know, okay, you know what, you know – State tournament chances on the line. You, you're in overtime. You know your team's gassed. You go for two if you score the touchdown. You you know field goals aren't always super reliable in high school. You go for the extra point. So you see it not pan out for a team. And then the next week, you know, two weeks later, you see a team in basically the same scenario. They show a lot of guts. They go for two and they get it. So you know, I I kind of want to go with Valpo because of that reason. The guts they showed is is insane. Ultimately, though, I like Whiteland. They're fourth best offensively in 5A with 35 points per game to go along with the third best defense in the class, allowing 13 points per game. Um, they've scored 40 points and have allowed just six points uh, on the postseason run they've had. Um, so the offense has been better. The defense has been uh, playing phenomenally. They've held their opponents to seven or fewer points in three of four tournament games. They had two such games in the regular season. We talked about their defensive standouts. They also have running back Peyton Emberton, who's third in 5A in rushing with nearly 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. So they've got the rushers to go toe-to-toe with Valpo, um, plus they're uh, they're just better statistically on all fronts. So 
Um, with as much as I want to go with Valpo and, and pick this, you know, kind of the story, the team that we didn't necessarily expect to be here again, a team that I had in the bottom tier of my semi-state tier list that ends up, you know, overcoming adversity and winning uh, their semi-state round as much as I want to go with them. I'm going to go with Whiteland. Yeah, I'm going with Whiteland as well. I mean, that rushing offense is, I mean, come on, averaging 304 yards per game. And then you also have a quarterback that can throw it if he, it's necessary. And also I, I'm going with Whiteland because I want to see them. I want to see that excitement that they show when they are crowned state champions for the first time in any sport in school history. Those are the cool moments. I mean, I, I we've seen that. I've seen that before, like in, a couple of years ago in the college world series when Mississippi state, won a national championship and was the first national championship in any sport for, for the, um, for the Bulldogs. So I, I, I love stories like that. I love seeing those types of things. Um, so yeah, I'm going Whiteland. Yeah. I mean, that, that is going to be really cool to see, and it's going to be a fantastic weekend of football, like we mentioned, uh, and you know what? There you have it. We've got you know our picks for the state championship. We've broken down every matchup. Uh, B. Scott and I are picking the same on all games except for three A and four A. We're go- you go New Prairie and uh, Chatard. I'm going with uh, Lawrenceburg and East Central. The rest of the way we're the same. Center Grove. We've got Lutheran. We've got Evansville Modern Day. Um, we've got Whiteland. Um, so it's going to be a fantastic Friday and Saturday of football. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Remember that you can follow us at 3C Media Sports on Twitter. Go like us on Facebook, 3C Media. Go over to the TikTok channel. We will be live on Friday and Saturday uh, for both games of the state championship. So uh, we'll be live for 5A. We'll be live for 6A. So come on over, say hi, enjoy the game with us. Um, also go over to the YouTube channel if you're not already there if you're listening to us on the podcast app go to the YouTube channel we've got some great content over there as well as we approach 150 subscribers on the app so go subscribe if you haven't already ring the bell uh, turn on notifications all that good stuff and remember you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify wherever podcasts can be heard you can hear the Crash Course Podcast you can find me on Twitter as long as Twitter's still up at Crash Course FM on Twitter Be better be or I'm out of a job <laughs> yeah be Scott where can they find you <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87 We'll continue the football conversation next week. We'll be getting into some college football, something we were going to talk about a couple of weeks ago before the craziness that the Colts threw upon us. Uh, But until then, have a good week, everybody. Enjoy the state championships.